are recording and we are mad about the jazz because it's halftime and the jazz suck. They are dog shit and I hate this team. I like I can honestly go on record saying that I liked the Ty Corbin teams more than this. Ooh. I enjoyed watching Al Jefferson park his <laughs> gigantic ass in the post <laughs> and shoot 35 baby hooks a game more uh, than I like watching Royce O'Neal get beat off the fucking dribble and die on screens every possession. Yeah, this is a terrible team. Like it's 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 like they're like mediocre for one and then they're also just atrocious to watch. They're not yeah, they all-time bad vibes team. It is crazy how much of a difference the vibes do make. Like it I mean, man, I, so what I was going to say right before we started recording, I was I was thinking about it, it well, again, it is funny that like we used to talk about the jazz a lot more, but it became easier to compartmentalize and Greg, you know, has his own jazz podcast, but the jazz are so bad it's bleeding everywhere and we can't separate it out from our regular lives anymore or our regular podcast, but I will say <laughs> but just like watching the Pelicans last night, like I'd take Alvarado over Mike Conley right now. Like, it, yeah. it, could we just straight swap Alvarado <laughs> who went undrafted uh, for Mike Conley, please? Can we have somebody who can play defense? Like, please. You could probably find 20 to 30 point guards you could you could put into that role and it would work so much better than I, Mike Conley. I'm so like. He, yeah, he's I, I, cooked, I, I, man. It, he, like, it's not even like like obviously he's a, 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 a an NBA legend, but at this stage in his career, like watching teams like the Pelicans put a dude like Alvarado on there on guarding someone like who's theoretically equivalent to to Chris Paul um, in Mike Conley, like similar stages in their career. Chris Paul obviously being a lot better at this point i'd say but just like watching alvarado just like lock chris paul down for like an entire game i'm like can we have a point guard that just does that one time please anybody anybody at all who can guard the perimeter a single player shit i wouldn't be surprised if you just took alex jensen off the coaching bench and put him in and if he wouldn't be any worse (laughs) right (laughs) where's johnny bryant when we need him uh he's where donovan mitchell hopefully is going soon man yeah i think it it is really funny to me that like this is a fan base that's still uh like i don't know how many years removed from gordon hayward leaving you know and like have somehow totally forgotten all of those rumors that were circling like a couple years before totally um, and now, like they th- somehow that doesn't apply to Donovan Mitchell no. to the Knicks, despite that like being a rumor since he came into the league, since it's, he was drafted, since since so, the Knicks d- chose not to draft him, that's been yeah. a rumor that he was going to the Knicks when they literally could have drafted him. And I don't, I it's did they so take funny. quickly instead? I don't even know who they or did they take Obi Toppin instead. No, who did they? I'm gonna look up that draft. Or was that was that after? I can't remember. Um. They picked someone. They must have picked someone like that's done nothing. I, well, I, all I know is if he's miserable here, he's going to have a wonderful time in New York. <laughs> like the the Knicks are such a functional and you know working and, franchise. Yeah, and like when Andy Larson is the most adversarial reporter in years, he's, <laughs> he's going to fucking love Mike Francesca. I was like, literally, like, come on. I I hate that. I hate when people talk about Utah, like as if the fans and like the media are so toxic. I'm like, there's like 10 people 
here and uh you absolutely need to experience media elsewhere because you will just get i mean yeah. ben we, we are seeing the result of uh what playing in philly did to ben simmons still <laughs> he, yeah. he like literally can't pick up a basketball in a, in a game now so honestly like uh, you should like take donovan mitchell and just sit him in front of a tv and just show him big <laughs> fan and just say like okay this is what thirty thousand people are going to be like in new york if you go there like they're going to be pat noswald who's going to like track you down and like shoot you with a paintball gun like that's going to be it and like i know there are a lot of like insane utah jazz fans that are like just i mean the worst the worst but like knicks fans have a level of derangement that goes beyond anything that could be like actually contrived by human forces it's like other world levels of of deranged mentality about their team so um if that does happen it'll be it'll be fun but i will say uh hope hope the jazz win i guess so Yeah, do we really hope they win? No, at this point? I want I want this to be over. I want this to be. No, it needs. It absolutely needs to end. Yeah, like the alley oop was fun, but like this needs to be done. We need. My, to be- my favorite thing though about the alley oop is that you got a bunch of like deranged jazz fans and just like the worst media out- outlets doing the like. Uh, half cap, half regular type being like, Donovan Mitchell doesn't pass the ball to Rudy Gobert, (laughs) which is like the basketball equivalent of saying that climate change isn't real because it snowed once in May. That's right. Yeah, I know. There's clearly not a problem here between these two guys. They actually love each other, you idiots. I mean, every Taco Tuesday. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell passed the ball when he was double teamed to the (laughs) seven foot nine guy in the paint. He was wide open. Like, if he wouldn't have done that, like he just it would have been like it would have been a crime just beyond. Yeah. The best though was like the really hopeful, like gleam in their eyes fans who somehow like haven't been totally battered uh by this season saying like this is the moment that the jazz can really turn it around this like how many of those fucking moments do you need guy yeah come on man yeah congrats you won at home against like a 60 percent luca way to go like like against a team who hadn't won in utah since like george hw bush and like uh before the game two or three or whatever it was it's like insane they hadn't won in utah in like 20 years until last week and then you barely beat them the next game I i will say this though that um if you really do think that was a turning point in the jazz season, I agree with you, but I need to inspect your wallet first. (laughs) Yes. Jazz fans right now are like a kid whose parents are going through a divorce Divorce. and they (laughs) just, and they just watch the parent trap and they get really hopeful for a little bit. Dude, Or they just see like one amicable moment between their divorcing parents and they're like, (laughs) wait a minute. It's, it's actually not happening. Dad's actually moving back in. (laughs) Dad, Dad didn't punch the drywall and mom's not crying. This is perfect. Oh my God. He's moving back. Yeah. So the boys are moving back in. So that's good. We actually had the jazz on the, on the outline they, today. They watch so. marriage story and they just fast forward through the fight scene. Oh man. <laughs> A nice little Noah Baumbach production of the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell story. That would be beautiful. Just put them in a room. Let's see what happens. Uh, so one of them uh, would be dead at the end of it. I really might. This is Brigham Young Money. 
Sorry, we didn't say hi. It's Kyle here. We have Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Hey, hey. We've got Greg. Hello, Greg. Inshallah. <laughs> yeah. How are things, guys? What's what's going on? God, God, is, a- God is good. Yeah, he is. Is there anything else you can say? God is great. <laughs> what's been going on? I know. Uh, well, I feel like you guys are teasing a little bit of the main the main story tonight. Well, but. I mean, our only in our, our, our just following the the episode outline, it goes uh, intro. Finn Lizzie, the boys are back in town. The Utah Jazz are a shitty, stinky team that sucks. Um, and then, you know, I passed up going to the under of banner or under the banner of heaven premiere tonight so I could record with you, Bozos. Oh, there was a premiere Why? tonight? Yeah. I'm just kidding. I didn't have tickets. I just, oh. Wanted, oh, I just really wanted to call you guys uh, Bozos. So are they just premiering the first episode? I don't. I don't know. Like, is it a series or is it a movie? It's a, it's a, it's series. a series, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it's. Uh, what they're exactly doing. I just saw that. Uh, what's his name? The Garfield guy was in town for the premiere tonight, and I think the the oh, series. Dude, yeah, you're right. It premiered at the. So, um, red carpet screening of Under the Banner of Heaven to take place in Salt Lake. It's. Uh, let's see. Uh, Red, FX is hoping, hosting a red carpet event at the Broadway Center Cinemas Monday, April 25th, ahead of the series debut on April 28th. Hell yes. Um, I'm so excited. Andrew Garfield, Sam Worthington, uh, Tyler Rushing, Dustin Lance Black, Anna Culp, all were there, or are, are all coming. So, yeah, I don't, how did, how did, how did people get tickets? Dang, that would have been cool. Um, I, I did see some today too in the Deseret News that how um, managing editor Hal Boyd talked about how LDS people probably won't like the show because it shows uh, Mormons as being violent or whatever. And then the first thing he did was retweet a Desnet account giving him praise for the article, which I thought was moi. Dude. So I'm seeing some like stuff like, okay, so there's this article in ABC4, local Utah ABC affiliate. Controversy arising for Andrew Garfield's new show. Andrew Garfield's new show, Under the Banner of Heaven, has not premiered yet, but is it is already raising eyebrows. Based on the book of the same name by John Krakauer, the show covers the 1984 murder of Brenda Lafferty and her infant daughter, Erica. Andrew Garfield will be portray- portraying Jeb Beyer. Uh, let's see. The book and show both go into the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um Let's see. Many members of the church have spoken out against the book and its content since it was first printed in 2003. Mike Otterson, director of media relations with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said, Krakauer's portrayal of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is utterly at odds with what I and millions like me have come to know of the church, its goodness, and the decency of its people. This book is an attempt to tell the story of the so-called fundamentalist or polygamist groups in Utah and to tie their beliefs to the doctrines and the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The result is a full frontal assault on the veracity of the modern church. So one surprising thing to see in the trailer for the show is Latter-day Saints standing inside the temple in full ceremony clothes. The church has said that its religious clothing should not be on public display, but only worn inside Latter-day Saint temples. While the overall theme of the religion in the show could be controversial, the investigation into Brenda Lafferty's murder is something that has long captured the public's attention. This show's going to rock. It looks really (laughs) good. I'm so excited, dude. It looks really good. It looks great. Did either of you guys read that book? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, good. So I, I, I actually read it last year. I read it back to back, to back with uh, Prophet's Prey. 
which was a hell of a one-two punch. Yeah, I'll I'll read pretty much anything by Krakauer just because, like, I I, have yet to read a book by him that I didn't really immensely enjoy. Like, I think I read uh, Under the Banner of Heaven and, like, right back-to-back with, like, Where Men Win Glory. Yeah. And both fantastic books. Yeah, I don't really understand. I mean, so I haven't read the book, like, and I know it talks a lot about the fundamentalist uh, sect, I guess, of the church, but, like, it doesn't give a good look at the church at all. Okay. Yeah. Fundamentalist figured, or not, it's not figured as much. Well, I'm looking forward to watching that. Andrew Garfield. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Maybe we should yeah. do some bonus episodes on those. Yes. Be, absolutely. Yeah. We need to. Uh, that's actually a really good idea. So it, pre- it pre- uh, premieres this week. Um, and we shall we shall be watching. I like the uh, dichotomy. I wish uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was still on right now. The new season doesn't start. No, for a while, I can't be... do it, dude. I know. <laughs> I, I've tried. I've like earnestly tried to watch <laughs> that show, and like I started getting the little like weird eye twitch, you know, yeah. oh, and like totally. the bulging forehead vein, and I just like. Dude. I'm sure, like my 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 blood pressure was like 162 over like 92 yeah and i, <laughs> and like, I, I, I get it but I, i'll have it. you guys know I, I don't know if either of you knew this but um the seek the podcast seeking derangements has yeah. like a full obsession with with specifically that franchise not other housewives uh franchises but specifically real housewives of salt lake city and they did an episode by episode podcast recap of the entire uh yes. the most recent oh, season man. and i listened to every single one of those you're a freak a dude dude that's sicko shit so, that is that is it sicko is. shit and here's the other thing um jen shaw her sentencing keeps getting pushed back or her trial keeps getting pushed back so she is still able to be in the show until she goes to prison so <laughs> incredible just a felon in waiting she is dude and this is like the third time it's been pushed back and now it's not until oh my god this country is so incredible it was supposed to be in march but now it's like sometime in june and if it gets and then she might get she might get the trial starting in june who knows how long the trial is going to last and which is going to be part of the next season and then who knows when her sentencing is going to be like it could be months after that keeping her out of jail when everyone wins i mean she's not committing any crimes currently also she's still making the show that's good for her and also sharif is still on the recruiting trail and i love sharif (laughs) sharif seems great yeah honestly sharif seems like a great guy and i feel bad for him uh for being roped into all of the things that he's been roped into including the show itself um but I, I, he seems like a good dude. So yeah, I've, only, I've, I've only seen a couple episodes, but the only thing I see is like, that's a man that can uh, recruit and coach a pretty damn good secondary. So uh, right. <laughs> I guess that's there's right. something. And she calls him coach too. Like just, she just will f- refer to him as coach. It's really funny. So um, shout out to under the banner of heaven and real housewives of Salt Lake city. The two, uh, dichotomous depictions of Mormonism that we've come to know and love and we fully embrace and I think are fully representative of everything that takes place here. Yeah, I guess if you really want the true spectrum, right? Yeah, just watch those shows back to back. Like that's that is a hell of a juxtaposition right it there. It really is. And the only active Mormon person on of the cast of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has a tequila company. Well, like what's going yeah. on? Like and she's she's Jewish also. So um wild it's that uh rich person exemption the church gives dude like insane so they serve their tequila or tequila taqueria 27 that's all i know um 
All right. Greg, the hell lines. I feel like you've got some uh, some heat for us today. We got some, yeah, we got some good stuff. You know, a little little local, little national. You want to play the uh, the intro for me there, bud? Oh, I thought we were uh, against that now because no, I, I heard you it. two without me. Well, guess what? Fuck you, Kyle. We're playing the intro. Wait, damn straight. This is always really loud, but I love it. Yes. All right, now I'm officially in the mood to fuck your day up. All right, hell line number one. The Democrats nominate no one. So the Utah Democratic Party uh, voted no on Saturday to put forth their own U.S. Senate, uh, Senate candidate and instead uh, it's so facto endorse independent Evan McMullen's bid against GOP incumbent Mike Lee. Of course, this is the same local Utah Democrats who have not uttered a single word about the unionization efforts across the state, such as the Cottonwood Heights Starbucks, the downtown Harmons, and the Park City Ski Patrol. Solidarity and love to all of them was able to go to the, the Cottonwood Heights Starbucks on Saturday, had a lovely espresso shot uh, and some egg whites and was, yeah, was able to help kind of support the unionization efforts. Um, but what we are witnessing is the single most cucked party in the history of American politics, uh, as well as a complete waste of money, resources, and political capital. Rest in piss. I had a very eclectic uh, Saturday myself. I, uh, <laughs> I want to hear all about this. Wait, yes. were you there for the actual vote for this? No, no. I okay. I deuced the fuck out way before that. <laughs> That's um, so funny. So I did go to the Democratic convention early on. I just... Wanted to go see it. I had a bunch of friends who were there who were delegates and all that. So I was like, sure, why not? Saturday morning. I got nothing else to do. Um, when I got there, I was shocked. This is this is my first state convention, too. I was shocked at how old it was. Really? Like the median age couldn't have been lower than 70. Like if it was lower than 65, you know I'd be absolutely shocked. I when I voted in Democratic primaries here, I've I felt the exact same way being in line with a lot of those. I, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed the same thing. And it might have been like depends on the neighborhood, I guess, I assume as well. But um, yeah, I think a lot of the Democratic population here tends to be a lot older. I think a lot of people here are a lot of younger people here are just unaffiliated or are just straight up Republicans. So they just yeah. don't care. I mean, yeah, I mean, they you they believe in nothing is ultimately what it what it boils down to. They believe in nothing and are, are willing. It, it seems like the only thing the Utah Democratic Party has to offer is they're not Republicans and they yeah. can't even offer that anymore. They it's have a, no courage. They have no conviction. And worst of all, they have no fucking plan. It's, yeah. it's really where do you go bad. from here? What's, what, so, what's the next move? It's so short sighted. And that was the question that I was asking. I was like, OK, so it best case scenario for Utah Democrats is that they do help elect Evan McMullen and he wins. Then what? Then what do you or do you try to run against the guy that you helped elect? And then what's the argument if you have the exact same like <laughs> politics, essentially? Well, here's like, the funny thing. Like he's saying like he's not going to he's not going to caucus with either Republicans or Democrats. So he's going to be a true maverick, which means he's not going to have any committee seats, perfect. which means he might as well just like fuck off and just go like I don't know, hit whatever like oyster bars on K Street at this point because he's sure as yeah. shit not going to be a senator. Okay, Jordan, like why? Like I know like there are a lot of like 
supposedly altruistic reasons for removing Mike Lee, but like literally why this like do they is 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 the is the panic about mike lee really this genuine and the panic about saving democracy quote unquote really this genuine that that they would do this like that like is it that delusional it's such a fucking cop out man it really is kind of like more the same sort of vein you see with like the green party and all that too where instead of like trying to build like any sort of consensus from the bottom up you have to go for the top office and then yeah. down. The only problem is if you do that, you generally just get your ass kicked. And like, it's only good for like essentially fundraising scams more than anything else. Like this is, this yeah. is Amy McGrath 2.0. Oh, it absolutely oh, is. Yeah. That's right. I forgot and it's like her. Evan McMullen's going to fundraise a bunch of money. Um, and that's think of all of the money that could go to, to actually like, starting change like starting an actual like grassroots movement or some sort of coalition like helping people get their lives back on track like helping people's material conditions helping something other than just like twiddling your thumbs and nominating a guy who is against everything you ostensibly believe in yeah and like uh, I was yeah. saying about earlier about like how old the Democrat convention is I did go to the Starbucks sip in with uh everyone else too like I, I had to do that really quick because i had a family thing as well but um what i noticed is too like you had members of like communist party usa utah that mm-hmm. was there you had dsa there you had salt lake mutual aid that was represented there they're all yeah, young. shout out to izzy yeah shout out to all of them like i was surprised like first of all how many really organizations yeah how many organizations showed up to actually show like unionization is kind of popular here in utah and i was shocked at how young it was yeah and then like especially just from like the from like the comparison of just being at the state convention same, to like, same day down the street say yeah. a mile away like yeah. kitty corner from like cottonwood high school and you see this and you're just like i get it now yeah there's mm-hmm. just no energy in the democratic party in the state yeah and uh Nate Housley on Twitter had a really good thread about like um, basically laying this all out and like what the arguments are. Um, But like one and one of the main points that he's making is like, yeah, Mike Lee sucks and is terrible. And the more terrible your opponent is, the more of an opportunity you have to make the case for yourself and to not use that opportunity to like show and draw like those distinctions among like between your 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 party, your politics um, and like someone like Mike Lee, like to just pass that up entirely because just to to get Evan McMullen in there or at least attempt to <clears throat> and remind yourself that Evan McMullen already ran a statewide race against uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and got his little cheeks clapped. So yeah, two extremely, <laughs> yeah, two extremely popular politicians that aren't polarizing or hated at you, all. You literally could not have picked two politicians that Utah as a state hated more. And than he Donald focused, Trump and, and Hillary Clinton at that time. Donald Trump's only only gained popularity in Utah since then. And uh, he he like got less than 25 percent of the vote or something like that. So he got 21 percent of the 21. vote. He, That's right. he lost by six percent to Hillary Clinton, a woman yeah. who's been hated for the last 30 years like, in Utah. One of the worst worst people on earth you could pull every utah and like you'd probably get 40 percent of the state saying she should be like executed like right now so you'd um, you'd get a plurality at least (laughs) yeah yeah so 
Yeah, it, it's it is it is just really I mean, aside from like like this really just feels like throwing in throwing in the towel, raising the white flag, like screwing over any down ballot races, which I mean, the legislative the state legislature is already kind of uh, pretty much non-existent now with like all of the like gerrymandering and everything else. Like it's it's kind of a lost cause, it feels like, but uh, they're not even trying anymore. And to yeah. see the leadership or whatever, like Jenny Wilson and Ben McAdams, uh, you know, two noted winners, <laughs> to, like talk about this and be basically you know make this happen and and again none of this is to say that kale weston is like this incredible progressive hero of the um, no. of the left but it's like it this just it's just sad at I least he's talking, a member yeah. of the fucking party <laughs> yeah at least he's a member and yeah. he was fucking idiots and, and if he was just going to run like a standard democrat campaign he wouldn't have drained resources like an evan mcmullen will right. because evan mcmullen is going to msnbc this race and he's going to get all these resources just like just like amy mcgrath did just like jamie harrison did lose by 25 points and then like sit on like a war chest of like nine million and then just like walk off with it or whatever yeah yeah and, but the thing yeah. that really got to me though too was uh one of our friends that we all know um she put this on Twitter pretty much said she was like, I don't know why a lot of Democrats are upset about Evan McMullen getting the bid. You've all you've all been more than happy to support candidates who are Democrats who had the, pretty much the exact same policies as him. Yeah. Like, Adams. Yeah, Adams this, this party has not been Aaron dedicated. To, yeah. This party has not been dedicated to pushing progressive candidates at all. That's a great point. Dude, they yeah. Nom yeah, they they all came out and nominated Pete Buttigieg and Michael Bloomberg, which Endorsed, tells you yeah. all you need to know about these people, <laughs> yeah. which like we should have known then. And that was that was what, two years ago? Yeah. And this is a state that Bernie won like in a walk yeah. twice. It, exactly. That's that is one of the more insane things is like the Democratic Party in Utah looked at who the Democrats in Utah voted for and actively like endorsed candidates that were diametrically opposed to everything that the actual voting base here clearly wants like right like that, insane that is so insane to me to and, look at the voters and be like they're wrong and that makes sense with the messaging as well too because you had ben mcadams and jenny wilson coming out for weeks now just like oh there's no possible chance for us to compete there's nothing we can do about that you know what we need to do we need to nominate a Republican. Yeah, that seems like a fucking you problem. You, awesome. You, if you guys are this bad at, at nominating someone with with general general popular support, then like maybe you shouldn't be uh, making this these decisions anymore. And I saw countless people on Twitter too. It's like it's called collision building, sweetie. And it's like <laughs> it's like okay. First of all, how come coalition building always goes to the right and not towards either the left? Or towards the 30 to 40% of Utahns who just don't even fucking bother at this point. Like, yeah. Like, even with like the how easy it is to vote in a state, like 35 to 40% of people in the state just don't vote. Yeah. Like, because they know it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to the Starbucks workers, though. <laughs> and everyone that showed up. <laughs> Love to see it. Um, anyway, sorry, Greg, continue. Oh, yeah, we got more. Um, Hellline number two, Elon Musk bought Twitter, guys. So after years of being called a corn cob and having people post pictures of his receding hairline and partying with convicted pedophile Ghislaine Maxwell, Elon Musk has bought Twitter for $44 billion. 
He said, quote, Twitter has tremendous potential. <laughs> I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. And like, I, I can't really be surprised by this because like a rich asshole getting exactly what he wants isn't like a new concept, but it's it's definitely going to suck. And if we're speaking about rich assholes, like at least we can hope that Trump gets his account back. <laughs> I know. Dude, I, just, I saw that he won't be coming back to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, it was like famous last words. Shuja Hyder was like, he's practicing self care. <laughs> yeah. Once I saw it, like, uh, Trump snuck, and that's like, well, I don't care anymore. Like, that's the only thing that I had looked forward look forward to with that. But you know, like with Musk buying Twitter and all that, like the only thing I can think of is like, well. I just don't know what Twitter would be like if it was owned by a weird billionaire. So yeah, here we are. Yeah. Like oh, quite honestly, like I, uh, who know, like probably nothing will change for users of Twitter. The company itself will probably suck, but like, I mean, yeah, the fact that somebody has $44 billion to simply buy a company because they were annoyed of, like functionality is just fucking mind blowing. Um, so <laughs> yeah, just and, and every the, dollar above nine hundred ninety nine million dollars should be taxed at one hundred percent. No more billionaires, yes. please. Yeah, and to all the people who are really like terrified about like Elon Musk because he's like a right wing billionaire who runs a tech company. I got bad news about pretty much every tech company. Every tech company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Jack Dorsey is the exact same type of person. <laughs> just, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Elon Musk just wouldn't like starve himself in a, in a Burmese cave for a month or something like that. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. So big things coming <laughs> from Elon <laughs> Musk, I guess. I did. Did you guys see like people, man. So you know how he was doing the brain chip shit on like monkeys and they were like literally just like committing seppuku because they were just going so yeah. insane by the just, just disgusting animal testing that Elon Musk's company was doing. God, um, somebody asked him, that. somebody asked him if they were going to be doing human trials soon. And he said, yes. And there are a bunch of just absolute weebs just in the, in the comments, just saying that they would love to be first on the list. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, the animals, the so monkeys cool. were like eating their own hands. Like they yeah. were going like just the most horrific stuff ever. And, uh, there are just a line of absolute dorks <laughs> ready to get the brain chip. <laughs> so, so, so fucking cool, I, I'm really dude. excited for like Twitter users like Tesla Travis 420 to go through the montage from Robocop 2. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Anyway, okay. So, Elon Musk, Greg, what else you, what else you got for us? Oh, uh, hell line number three, uh, perjury Taylor Green. <laughs> Nice. So today news broke that new texts obtained by CNN show that representative Marjorie Taylor Greene told Mark Meadows that he should talk to Trump about the possibility of invoking martial law. The never before seen texts include messages from Trump's family, daughter Ivanka, uh, son-in-law Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr., as well as White House and campaign officials, cabinet members, Republican Party leaders, January 6th rally organizers, Rudy Giuliani, my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell. <laughs> wow. So good at that voice. Wow. 
Sean Hannity and other Fox hosts. There are also texts exchanged with more than 40 current and former Republican members of, of Congress, including Senator Ted Cruz, uh, Jim Jordan of Ohio, and more Mo Brooks of Alabama. That's the, the worst icing, fucking group chat ever. Just, <laughs> the most nightmare, night, blunt, nightmare rotation. blunt rotation imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> But like, of course, this is on the uh, this is on the heels of Marjorie Taylor Greene testifying on Friday under oath that she couldn't remember if she ad- advocated for martial law. Oh, dude, that and was also course, really funny when they when they asked her if she'd ever advocated for Nancy Pelosi to be like executed or whatever. <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> and then they're like, well, actually, here. And she's like, wait a minute. Actually, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. It's uh, so fucking cool, man. It's so funny. You know, of course, this is like in, in a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Jenny Thomas sending conspiracy theory texts to Mark Meadows as well. Like, it's becoming more and more apparent than all of these guys knew what were, was going to happen on, oh, on January 6th. Like, this was a very concerted effort like this is this wasn't like it this isn't a grand conspiracy you know it's just a fucking confederacy of dunces just <laughs> just the dumbest fucking like corn slurry people imaginable like trying to do a military coup you know and like the thing maybe i'm a little too cynical but like they all knew what was going to happen and the only thing that that continues to play in my my mind is like Nothing's going to happen to these people. Yeah. Like a couple, what was like two weeks ago, like the Mike Lee texts were, were uncovered and like, that's old news. Like we're all going to, like the public conscious is going to completely forget about all of this. Yeah, exactly. And he got tough questions on CNN for like, and that was like it. (laughs) So yeah. I mean, he has yet to face the wrath of of Evan McMullen, though. So I guess we'll yeah, see. man. That's that's his true fate is losing to the bald CIA man. Evan's yeah. gonna get a black site, and it's gonna be <laughs> fucking cur- just curtains for all of them. Dude, he just goes like he just goes like just Rambo and like pulls Mike <laughs> Lee. Dude, I would love to see just a showdown between those two guys. That'd be it, great. It'd be so great because you have Mike Lee on one end and essentially John Foster Dulles if he got kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> it rules. Have you guys seen that weird ass picture of uh Mike Lee and Glenn Beck and Sean Reyes at that I that like revolutionary war themed ice cream place in Utah? Yes. yes. It's so cool. That thing is so funny. Just the absolute like just complete losers with those like weird triangle hats or whatever those are whatever they're called we need to go there like we need to do like a yes, podcast field trip and just like go get like there's the, a few uh, of them wait what's yeah. it called it's, it's, it's called founders right founders ice founders ice cream yes. I think. that's it <laughs> found in like multiple utah strip malls oh it's awesome they have vegan ice cream too so i could eat it <laughs> so we should go I wonder if they have Dole Whip, man. That would be great. Yeah, I could use some more Dole Whip in my life. I could use that. One day, I was like on a Dole Whip mission, and I went to uh, Menchie's and got some Dole Whip and put some blackberries in it. It was so good, man. It does sound good. Damn it, I love Dole Whip, man. It's so it's great. Yes, we we need to go to Founders, the uh, 
revolutionary That's right over, that, isn't that pretty close to your place <laughs> there's one yeah. over there's one close yeah to there's me. one really really close to your place yeah it's really funny i should go there we should we should do a little field trip i think it's it it really sucks it would suck to work there i think they make the employees dress up like that too if i remember they do that, that's so the cool. worst thing because if you've ever had to wear like any sort of like revolutionary war garb once <laughs> Like that shit is horrible. Like literally, like why are you making someone who works in an ice cream shop wear anything other than just like an apron to keep their like clothes clean? Like that's literally like I can't even I can't even imagine. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Uh, <laughs> what else is going on, Greg? Well, uh, so if we haven't put a, uh, enough of a damper on your day, uh, we're gonna we're gonna change the tune of things because our boy Stephen Donziger is home. So we've talked about this quite a bit on, on the podcast. And after what is it? 993 days, Steven Donzinger, the environmental rights lawyer who represented Ecuadorians in a pollution lawsuit against Chevron is finally free. Quote, I am exhilarated to be able to live fully again, extremely excited to be able to make the normal choices people in a free society get to make. I'm also stunned that I just spent two years and seven months of my life in detention, in retaliation for my work in the climate justice field. Yeah. So not only did he represent, but he won the case. He right? won the so case. Like, and yeah, so Chevron in, is is due to pay the people of Ecuador billions of dollars. Yeah. I don't think they have yet. And they and, continue to to push things out and get Federalist Society psychos to yeah. try the case. Like it's been such a, a clear rat fucking from the beginning. Yep. Yeah. And like they it's it's essentially just been a corporate prosecution where they had like uh, corporate bot judges and uh, the prosecution itself just, you know, retaliating on him for 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 winning a case against them. So um, and, and like not only so he he, he was sent like he, he was he was on house arrest, went to prison briefly, was back on house arrest. Then he was like it was uh, like on probation and I think it was like through like a halfway house or something. They were like essentially monitoring him constantly, giving him wake up calls, even on, on, even up until the last day um, of his, of his house uh, arrest sentence. Um, but like he never, I mean, it was all just a, a complete jam. So glad he's finally through that. That guy's cool. I like him a lot. Does Hell a lot yeah. of good media spots too. And I mean, yeah. like no, had, had barely, I mean, he he lives in New York, in Manhattan somewhere. I think he's in Chuck Schumer's district. Like, had no help from uh, anyone in the Democratic Party. No uh, one, no one even visited him. Like, or like Obama I went mean, to law school with this guy in like radio silence. And like, yeah, and uh, you know, could have gotten help from Merrick Garland. Uh, just no one. So, uh, pretty pretty shitty. But glad that he's finally through that because that's like nearly three years of just this nonsense. But. Anyway, so uh, I think we've got a big, a big of a, a bit of a big main topic to focus on tonight. And I think Jordan's going to lead us through. Uh, this Do you know journey. who else went home? Who Who's that, Jordan? <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. again. I'm sure he went through the pearly gates and gave RBG and Martin Luther King the Wakanda forever and. <laughs> 
Oh my! Please sit. Please tell me there's an illustration of Chadwick Boseman, Orrin Hatch, RBG, and the rest of the gang. Uh, who, who's the dude that died of COVID? The Republican guy, Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. All doing the Wakanda. Dan Shira. Yeah, him too. Man, I really miss those men. <laughs> we all do. So, Jordan, tell us. Tell us uh, what happened. Tell us. Um, Tell us, give us some history. This is your strong suit. I think so, you have like six graduate degrees. So I think it's time that you put them to good use and tell <laughs> us about the man, that, the man that we know and loved, that gentle giant, as it were. First of all, let's watch the tone here and make it more respectful, okay? Sorry. <laughs> what can you say about Orrin Hatch? <laughs> I met him once. It was in the lobby of the Salt Lake Marriott at a Model United Nations convention when I was in high school. He seemed okay. He shook my hand and said, here's to you, and then walked away. Because <laughs> um, he was already 116 years old at this point. Yeah, you could see the silicone just like peeking out of the skin, but it's okay. We, we let that go. Um what can you say about such a Titan that's had such an effect on so many lives and touched so many aspects of politics in Utah, except for, I hope they didn't bury him in a jacket cause he won't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, probably one of the worst human beings to ever like walk this earth. <laughs> like, like it's hard to come up against someone like with a track record, like Orrin Hatch. So I, You'll see tons of profiles this next week and all that about how like he was friends with Ted Kennedy and that, you know, he was friends with Bono and he did all sorts of fun stuff like that. He was like, yeah, that's all great, but it doesn't really get to the heart of who Orrin Hatch is. So we're going to start early on. Like you'll you'll talk about his. Uh, everywhere we'll talk about how he uh, was born in 1934 to a poor household outside of Pittsburgh. He went to BYU. He went to Pitt Law. Lived in a chicken coop behind his parents' house, blah, 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 blah. It really picks up in 76 when he runs for the Senate against Frank Moss. So Frank Moss, pretty decent senator, actually. He was against the Vietnam War. He was pro-labor. He was he fought against tobacco companies. He fought against like he fought against like uh really abusive nursing home companies. But that just wasn't good enough for Mr. Hatch. Um, in 76, he, Orrin Hatch ran up against four Republicans in the primaries. He ran to the right of all of them with the support of two early supporters, Cleon Skousen and Ernest Wilkinson. Ooh, Cleon Skousen, a favorite. Yeah. Both of them are podcast favorites. Um, Ernest Wilkinson, for big pod heads might know, um, <laughs> he was the BYU president who formed spy rings around campus to find professors and students who were communists or socialists. That's right. So cool. And Cleon Skousen, one of the biggest members of the John Birch Society, former FBI agent, <laughs> former chief of police of the Salt Lake City Police Department. I forgot um, about that one, that he was chief of police. Yeah, he formed the canine unit at Salt Lake City Police, which, you know, is not no longer in use since they uh, couldn't stop being racist. So <laughs> they couldn't. Yeah. Great. Uh, so. Hatch ran on being a Washington outsider, you know, as he would always maintain um, in order to get to Delphi. And, and in order to get in in contact with the delegates and all that, 
he utilized a side business he had where he made tapes for he made political and religious tapes like little cassette tapes he used to mail out too and he had the ability to send these tapes because of course he's big in the music so he can do that and this salt lake tribune actually had a copy of that tape and i listened to all of it today it was about 20 minutes long and i'm just going to tell you the things that he hit on inside this wonderful tape please uh, balanced budget amendment sunset laws for all federal programs and departments which means that you every federal program and department has to justify its existence after a certain time period to make sure it gets renewed uh energy self-sufficiency law and order crackdowns the national debt states rights awesome (laughs) being against both abortion and pornography classic uh his stance on anti his stance on being anti-child labor laws (laughs) yes (laughs) what's the reasoning for that (laughs) uh he said it was antiquated it's like there's no reason why kids why we should stop at 16 we should allow kids like as young as 14 to work go work at lagoon i think you can work there okay that's a question for me why is there some like weird carve out for children to uh, operate heavy machinery like roller coasters that because no one else wants to do it (laughs) yeah like Like, no one else really wants to be carnies man i love lagoon though but it is it is kind of funny that like everyone that's seems to be operating heavy machinery there seems to be uh going about to start puberty but anyway sorry Uh, thank you for riding the roller coaster so hatch gets elected in 76 is a combination of a bunch of things uh most notably it's also because frank moss is former chief of staff and at that time uh democrat congressman for the second district was caught by salt lake city police soliciting uh for prostitution not ideal if you're trying to run against like a family values guy like Orrin Hatch. So that guy, that dude took everyone down by like six to eight points and then just like lost. Awesome. So Orrin starts out strong though. It is it, just really quickly. It is funny that like what 45, almost 50 years later, uh, Evan McMullen has the exact same platform as Orrin Hatch. <laughs> And is, and is considered by a lot of people in this state to be like a conservative moderate. Yeah, that's like a, showing solidarity with Oren's death. Yeah, that that Overton window shifted Whew. fucking light speed. Um, so in 1977, right after being elected to the Senate, uh, in a speech at the U, he says, quote, I wouldn't want to see homosexuals teaching school any more than I'd want to see members of the American Nazi Party teaching school. Huh. Yeah, weird, that's right? interesting. That's, I wouldn't fun. want to see homosexuals teaching school any more than I'd want to see the members of the American Nazi Party teaching school. Which is funny because if you hear the rumor, the alleged rumors of one Mister Orrin Hatch, that he basically lived the life of William Defoe in Boondock Saints. That's beautiful. No. That's an acclaimed artist like that doesn't sound right. (laughs) I mean, allegedly. In 1978, early on in his uh, Senate career, too, he really shows himself to be a hatchet man for Republicans. Um, President Carter tried to push forward with uh, Congressional Dems uh, labor law reform, which would enlarge Labor Relations Board. 
uh, authorize expedited elections, give unions access to the workplace to plead their case to employees, and block employers from federal contracts to punish them for violating the law and require reparations to workers who had been harassed. Oh, obviously, if you're a Republican, you can't let that happen. And due to a fun thing called the filibuster and a quirky 44-year-old uh, senator, he was allowed to go ahead and uh, attempt to undo that with the uh, help of like Bob Dole. Um, Orrin Hatch pretty much like single-handedly utilized the filibuster to kill it, even despite the fact it had 59 votes. Amazing. It's like, cool. It's a great country we have here too. It's like to, to do like the bare minimum for democracy, you have to have like sixty percent. Yeah, I love how like the Very big thing is like when we were when filibuster when eliminating the filibuster was like supposedly on the table. It was like, no, this is one of like the uh, this is one of like the tenets of democracy is <laughs> the filibuster, <laughs> rather than just a tool to let the right just continue to just block any type of uh, democratic legislation that might actually do something good so yeah it's it's crazy like you know it preserves democracy in some weird way that we don't quite want to like you know talk about numbers or anything like that because it generally doesn't make sense but you know if we say things like it keeps the fundamentalists and fanatics at bay then like oh well i guess that makes sense yeah as opposed to just like thinking like oh yeah this is just a deeply anti-democratic country yep Okay, um, he has some quote about that, too. As a matter of fact, he grew up in a union, too. Like, Hatch was a member of the AFL-CLO as a, like, a adolescent because he really? was... Really? Yeah, he was he was a lather in Pittsburgh, so he used to, like, do carpentry. I he's not from Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said he worked for it for 10 years, and I'm darn proud of it. I don't dislike the union movement, he said. Without the labor movement, we would have a... We would have a we would have a rich and poor class in America. The union movement has been responsible for the growth of the middle class, which I think has been very, very healthy. Okay. You, that's what's so weird. So this is something that I've heard from, like I, I had this conversation, interestingly, like with my, with my dad, like a few, uh, like I can't remember how long ago, but we were talking about unions and he kind of said that same thing is like, like it was really important when it when it was a thing, like when we needed them and now we don't need them anymore. <laughs> when you can like yeah. literally just like look at a line that says like union membership versus like uh, middle class wealth or just like percentage of, of, of wealth in this country. And it's just like a direct correlation. It's yeah. it is yeah. so interesting that like there's that that is the argument that it's like oh no unions were good when we needed them but we don't need yeah, them anymore and you know I, I hear it often you like what talking about like workplace safety but it's interesting that Orrin Hatch explicitly says that's what's created the middle class and then now as we've seen just like the complete uh, demolishing of that it's just like it's oh I don't know why that that would be yeah, yeah that's, so. a, that's a hell of, of a thing to say as well like in light of the last or in lieu of the last two years where we've yeah. seen like the largest upward shift of of or like the largest transfer of wealth in American history. Yeah, for sure. Throughout the, the pandemic and like billionaires have increased their wealth by something like a trillion dollars and and like major companies like Amazon and the oil and gas industries are seeing record profits due to price gouging and like and while the minimum wage still didn't go up, like 
Yeah, that's 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 a whole lot of cognitive dissonance there that is fucking with my head. We need we needed it to create the middle class, but then we didn't need it to save to the sustain it. Yeah. yeah, no, it really is amazing too. Is like the the idea that like, you know we really don't need unions anymore. Like, sure, your boss can fire you for literally anything. And at this point, too, like, there's probably certain states that allow your boss to have prima noctum, but <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> we don't need unions. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, where were we? Oh, yeah. Um, 1981, Orrin Hatch tries to pass an amendment to the Constitution to um, ban abortion. Though cool. The amendment says a right to abortion is not secured by this Constitution. The Constitution in several states shall have the concurrent power to restrict and prohibit abortions, provided that a law of a state which is more restrictive than a law of Congress shall govern. Of course, that didn't go anywhere because no one cared about abortion back then. 1983, attempts to do it again, eat shit again, whatever. Uh, 1989, here's a fun one. This is one I've been kind of digging into a lot. So this is the one I really want to talk about. The Bank of Credit and Commerce International was a bank that catered to specific clientele, namely drug dealers and dictators. The Medellin cartel had their money there. Saddam Hussein had his money there. Manuel Noriega had his money there. Bangladesh military dictator Hussein Mohammed Arshad also banked there. <laughs> Incredible. Um, after sent investigators led by John Kerry started investigating the bank in late 1989, Orrin Hatch jumped into action to defend the bank from the sent investigators from unfair persecution. He gave a passionate speech on February 22nd, 1990, um, saying, however, I also believe that we must be careful when we attack those actually on the front lines fighting the drug war. I personally have been troubled in recent weeks by the severe criticism of attacking the Justice Department's recent settlement of money laundering charges against the Bank of Credit and Commerce International. Do not misunderstand me. Money laundering is a serious crime, and the BCCI case was an important prosecution. But let us also fairly recognize that there was no systemic money laundering uncovered in the BCCI case after intensive investigation. Rather, BCCI appears to be a large international corporation, some of whose employees may have committed serious misdeeds in violation of the bank's own written rules. And BCCI is legally responsible for conduct under those employees under U.S. law. So, namely, he was given the bad apples defense there. But there's a couple things that's really funny about that speech. Uh, according to some articles from the New York Times, I pulled from it. First off, the speech was written by former Defense Secretary Clark Clifford and his law partner, Robert Altman, both of whom worked for C BCCI and were charged with taking up to $40 million in bribes to help BCCI awesome. take over, <laughs> secretly <laughs> take over First American Bank. It's always, every time. <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. It gets better. Please enlighten me. A second thing, according to the New York Times, after BCCI resolved the money laundering case in Tampa, Florida, the one that Orrin Hatch talked about in the speech, by reaching a plea agreement that many government officials complained was far too lenient, Mr. Hatch talked to high-ranking Justice Department officials and urged them to step forward and defend the plea deal. A senior Justice Department official acknowledged the call, and a BCCI lawyer in Washington, Raymond Banyan, said he was present in Mr. Hatch's office when the senator placed the call. Also, Amazing. while the investigation by John Kerry was in its initial stage, Orrin Hatch and his aide, Michael Pillsbury, were doing 
we're doing something else entirely. Um, Dean Beckhead in the New York Times also wrote, he's the guy who did pretty much all these things. In late 1989, when the Senate Subcommittee began a formal investigation of the bank's ties to dictators and terrorists, Michael Pillsbury, a longtime aide to Senator Hatch and an expert on national security, sat down with the bank's lawyers and offered advice on how to counterattack another senator's inquiry, according to Mr. Pillsbury, as well as some of the bank's lawyers. Hatch also had a pretty substantial relationship with the frontman of BCCI, Mohammed Hamoud. Uh, Hatch would say that he knew nothing about Hamoud's role in the BCCI, but memos found by Roll Call uh, show that uh, Hatch knew seven and a half months prior to the initial news reports about Hamoud's role, about Hamoud's role. Just the perfect GOP senator, man. Really just laid the blueprint for where we're at now. Like it's we go through this and it's so easy to see like the linear connection to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Mo Brooks and Jim Jordan and the rest of these psychos like this man was the godfather of just shitty GOP senators. Yeah. Oh, it gets even better. (laughs) This was also the same time. We save the best. This was always at the same time that, I mean, this is also the same time that Hatch was trying to get a $10 million loan from BCCI for a Houston businessman that was also a friend, donor, and real estate partner with Hatch. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, One time I discussed BCCI with Sander Hatch. He mentioned that he knew BCCI. He said, you know, I knew some people there. Maybe you will give give them a good recommendation about me, Harani told uh, NBC. Um. This dude, by the way, uh, Mahmoud Horani, really interesting guy. He's a Lebanese guy who moved to America, converted to the church, and was became like was a mentee to Orrin Hatch. Um, even beyond this, like Horani would be a really big like good friend and donor to Orrin Hatch, namely by filtering contributions beyond the legal limit through his employees. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and also, Dude, oh my God, that's, <laughs> of course. And also buying 1,200 CDs of Orrin Hatch's music, where Hatch would get three to seven dollars on each purchase. On each purchase. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right up there with like when Donald Trump Jr. puts out a book that's called like Trigger Warning, and then like every single, and then like the Trump. Uh, foundation just buys all the books back with the cancer money they stole. Dude, it's like the Trump Foundation or it's like these psychopaths who own those like abusive nursing homes in the South yeah. just buy it. Like it's like, OK, we're spending a hundred thousand dollars of like money we were going to spend on food for our the people in this nursing home <laughs> that we're buying trigger warning now. It's so insane, dude. There's just like, these, oh my, just these small business people or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'm making my employees not only donate money, but we're also just using, we're going to use like company funds to just buy like we're gonna we're gonna take orrin hatch's record platinum just with my small businesses <laughs> like petty cash fund <laughs> oh my gosh uh Harani this was also- the original mlm <laughs> yeah well i just hatch bought honey i just bought twenty two thousand <laughs> orrin hatch cds dude like makes, makes worse fucking like investments than Will Smith's character in Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> Honestly, like like Orrin Hatch's music sounds like the perfect vehicle for money laundering anyway, because who in God's <laughs> name would buy that? Um, all, um, one last thing. Uh, Harani also managed to hatch his blind trust while he was in the Senate. Oh, my God. 
Anyway, Dude, this country is such a joke that like you can just do this. <laughs> anyway, a Senate ethics probe would find that there was enough evidence to include wrongdoing. So, oh, well, nevertheless. Mm. Lovely. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. What else? What else, Jordan? What else has he got? Oh, we got the Anita Hill hearing. That's always fun. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the Anita Hill hearing. That was a good that was a classic Hatch moment. Oh, my God. Um, in Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearing, Orrin Hatch is one of the most outspen- outspoken defenders of Thomas in, in the face of the sexual harassment accusations by Anita Hill. Um, Hatch uh, claimed that Hill had pretty much made up all the allegations and copy details from several law cases and books. Um, Hatch would claim that Hill made up the part of the pubic hair in the Coke can from a scene in The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Oh, famous wow. photo of him holding up the book. It's uh, so good, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's going to be. We gotta get to the bottom of this. <laughs> and he also said that Hill took uh, the part about um, Clarence Thomas talking to her about Long Dong Silver. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, he took it from a law case from the 10th Circuit Court. Dude, that- could you imagine what Orrin Hatch's search history was like? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm telling everyone. The messiest just- man. Just Google it. All right. You'll you'll find the C-SPAN clip for it, too. And it's amazing to watch. Because if you ever just wanted to hear Orrin Hatch say elongated black penis, you can hear it. It's something I don't ever want to hear again, but I also might make it a drop too. It's the duality of man on that one. In 2019, Hatch would also tell uh, Fox Nation that Biden told me personally that he didn't believe Anita Hill. He said, I don't know why she would do this. I don't mean to malign Joe, but Joe told me he didn't believe her and that there were some others that told me that too. Hatch said in a Fox Nation documentary titled The Confirmation Chronicles Volume 2, colon, high-tech lynching. It's a great country, isn't it? 1994, Warren Hatch introduced the DSHA, the Dietary Settlement Health and Education Act. If you've ever wondered why your vitamins are 90% sawdust, it's because of this bullshit. You know what, though? But Orrin Hatch taught me that it's okay to get hopelessly addicted to sawdust pills. <laughs> so, so it's great for gains man uh, if so there's the, one thing about living in utah it's that you can get supplements anywhere that's right anywhere there's plenty of people that'll sell it to you too there'll be plenty of people who actually ask if you want to sell it as well <laughs> uh this act all but eliminated government regulation for dietary and herbal supplements uh meaning that the fba can't block a supplement from coming to the market but can only take action after a product has been found to be harmful <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great stuff. Um, the LA Times did a big article about it too, and pretty much just talked about how um, there were cases of like things like ephedra and things like that were just like making people drop dead, and it took I mean, like years to take it off the market. Yeah, uh, uh, how many class action lawsuit commer- like class class action lawsuit commercials are their own industry in this in this country? Like that's not something uh, that really exists elsewhere. <laughs> so, um, I cool. Mean, if- if there's anyone to like put like the blame for why Utah has like such a massive like pyramid scheme problem, Orrin Hatch is towards the top of the list. Awesome. Like 2010, like his two biggest like contributors were Herbalife and Zango. 
Perfect. Perfect. Two normal Hell companies. Yes. Very, two normal very companies cool doing everything companies. above board. Yeah, very There was good. something funny that came very with that, Very reputable too. sources there. Just uh, the best the best people. When um, the New York Times asked Orrin Hatch about his support by Zango and, like, why he would allow like such support to him. So like, well, I see no problem with them too. They've been around for a long time too. Like if there was fraudulent stuff going on there, they wouldn't be around as long as they were. Uh, Zango's no longer in business. <laughs> Rest in peace. Real Salt Lake sponsor from the old days. I miss him. I still got a Zango jersey. You know what's funny is like, uh, I have, I have a Zango jersey. And one time I was in, uh, I went to an away game in Vancouver once and um, some of the people, I think life, the life vantage people, the people who replaced. So life vantage is another MLM that replaced Zango, which was a different MLM as being the primary <laughs> Jersey sponsor for RSL. And, um, they, uh, like they were filming a video or something. They were, they were at this game for some reason. And I had my Zango, my Zango Rouse like Jersey on, and they were like very not stoked about it. They were offering to give me a new one, uh, and then they like asked me if I would hide behind someone else during the video they were filming, so we wouldn't be promoting a, uh, a another MLM. Um, so yeah, I still have that Zango jersey. I've never given it up. I rep Zango. Uh, me and me and Oren, we rep Zango to death. Uh, who, mine, who doesn't hopefully. love 40, yeah who doesn't love 40 dollar fruit juice that's exactly right and uh it killed Oren at the ripe old age of 88 and i'm gonna be living right up there to the exact same age i hope so hell yes i, I think i think i said on twitter and i can't remember who said it too but they said like Oren hatch lived the american dream of working until you're 85 and then dying at 88 yeah uh that was that was cody johnston uh shorty right. cody of some more news <laughs> The American dream of working till you're 85 and then dying when you're 88, dude. That made me laugh so hard. It's like it's it's such a it's such sicko behavior to want to, to work in politics. Just work. I mean, to choose to work until you're 80, 85. Go, go the fuck home, dude. Seriously, like you're give it up, dude. Shit. What are you doing with your life? How much <sighs> do you hate your family? I mean, Honestly, it, it, it's the same thing as like Diane Feinstein and all that too. Oh, yeah. Like they see themselves, like, them. they see themselves as kingmakers too, which is no doubt. Cause I mean, you look at all the people that were around like Orrin Hatch that went on to like make millions of dollars doing things like, for example, his son, which became like a lobbyist for MLMs Perfect. and like a lobbyist for like every horrific like cause you could ever think of because his dad gave him good connections to that. Like, that's why. You know what, though, boys? I think we can all take solace in knowing that the last thing that Orrin Hatch uh, was able to witness was the trans ban in Utah. Yeah, perfect. What a perfect send-off for one of the shittiest men of all time. You know what? Truly. I I just want to say, like, one thing. Like, we're even bagging on Orrin Hatch a lot tonight, but, you know... It it takes a lot for your last act to be creating a new public toilet in Salt Lake City. So because <laughs> there there I'm is. gonna take a piss on that thing at some point. I'll, I guarantee oh, that. Yeah. Is he bur- is he getting buried in the Salt Lake City Cemetery? Probably. Probably right. Yeah. He 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 has to have a lot there. Like, come on. Yeah. At least I hope the deer that are always there at least use it for that. So I do too pretty lovely deer that hang out in that cemetery oh you know at least i have a uh, new place to stop on my morning walks that's right 
Go pay respects, Greg. Yes. Hockaloogie and go. No, pour out a shot of Zanga, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> you can probably get some on eBay. I'm sure that I'm sure there are some distributors that have some on eBay that are still trying to get rid of it. That they've, that, you know, they spent their life savings buying like super powered acai water or whatever. And uh, you could probably buy some of that and just pour a little shot out on your your morning walk. A little yeah. blueberry burst for our man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's some old heads that still have a few bottles of like. And like a wine cellar or something like that too. It's like, <laughs> dude, an aged Zango. Oh, this is a uh, 2003 vintage from Alpine, Utah. <laughs> mm. It's an, a K from blueberry vi- from the vineyards of Riverton. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, this Whoa. is an ochre. <laughs> so anyway, uh, like that alone's probably killed thousands of people. So that's that's fun. Um, let's see. What else are we talking about? Oh yeah. 95 first attempted pass a flag burning amendment sweet awesome uh, same year goes on larry king and clutches a copy of doom 2 to talk about violence in video games hell yes that i personally blame orrin hatch for why my mom made me return doom 2 to kb toys dude the, oh you got it from kb's dude that's sweet that that's such a good game yeah, my, my parents were also not on board with that either. And uh, same I, had play, here. I had to I had to play it at my um, at my friend's house, but it was good. Yeah, I would have to go, I would have to do the same. I'd have, I would have to go to my friend's house to play either Doom or Duke Nukem and watch The Simpsons. <laughs> Dude, yeah, for some reason, my parents were like very anti Simpsons for a while, but we're fine with me watching family guy, which is way more crass. George Bush senior never said anything bad about Peter Griffin, but he did say something about Bart Simpson. (laughs) Yeah. Seth MacFarlane's good at show tunes. I think that might've been it, but may have been it. Um, let's see where else here. Oh yeah. 2001. We get to the fun part. Orrin Hatch is one of the main architects of the Patriot act. Of course he is. Yeah. Along Along with John Kyle, Diane Feinstein, and Chuck Schumer. Ooh, what a little quartet we've got there. Beautiful, uh, fun, beautiful folks. Oh, yeah, here's the fun part. Uh, 2003, Orrin Hatch proposed an idea that if you download copyright material on your computer, it should explode. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's a poison pill for downloading like the newest Nelly album or whatever was coming out at that point. <laughs> Which, oh, you know, awesome. would inevitably happen if you use like Kazaa or BearShare or LimeWire or any of those anyway. Do you guys just, ever get that like Bill Clinton LimeWire clip? You know what I'm talking about? No. no. You guys don't know what I'm talking about? Okay. No, well, hopefully someone who's listening knows what I'm talking about. There was like this thing where, man, you would like find what you thought you were, you, you needed to download on LimeWire, but like the file you download just had this like, I can't, I, I, I can't remember if it was actually Bill Clinton or if it was like a satire of Bill Clinton, but it was essentially saying like I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And it was like just some weird LimeWire troll that existed for years that I somehow always fell victim to. Maybe it's just the music that I was you downloading. Know, but. I, I sometimes think about how like a lot of uh, song titles I and artists I have just thought were different because of LimeWire. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Like, wait a minute, some 41 didn't sing that song? Oh, dude, that's right. Because they they would just like, like, there were a lot of, especially when there was like someone who was in multiple bands. Some 41 is a good example because there would be like Blink-182 songs that would be called like some 41 or vice versa. Yeah, man. 
I really love Green Day's version of Girl at the Rock Show. Great, great song. <laughs> oh, uh, man. The funny part about the whole thing about your computer exploding because you downloaded copyright material was it was found by a Wired uh, magazine uh, investigation by Lander Connie that Orrin Hatch's website was using unregistered JavaScript. Awesome. So it was like his server would have went kablooey as well which is kind of fun in like a like post 26 i mean pre-2016 like uh gotcha but whatever oh hey the jazz lost by 25 that's fun (laughs) disgusting and apparently Um, donovan uh after posting in minus 37 in 31 minutes now has a hamstring injury so we probably just watched him play his uh last minutes as a jazz man I'm strangely okay with that. Cool. I, honestly, <laughs> I hope I hope whoever is desperate for him gets what they want. I hope yeah. they, uh, yeah. Like I honestly think he's on like the he's on like the Darren Williams trajectory. It's like it's totally. not great. It feels like it. I mean, right, man. Yeah, we are seeing the just like the last days of this team. So like this oh, yeah. era, this era is over as I, of probably tonight. Yeah, I did tweet this it out. Is, like watching the Jazz right now is like seeing your mom serve your dad with the with divorce yeah. papers. This is the downfall bunker scenes now. Like this is all this is. <laughs> yeah. Just jazz oh, fans are sitting there too. Like we can still do it. All we gotta do is like we just pull guys off of the bench and like all the guys looking around him too is like. Mind Fuhrer, that's not happening. It's Get like over. the it's like the Bakun tweet, the Bud Dwyer Bakun tweet. Oh look, there's old Buddy Dwyer. Oh dude, you know he it's brought, bad when he that. brought yeah. a paper bag. Must have packed a lunch. How smart. <laughs> you know it's bad when Boban's getting minutes against the Jazz. <laughs> I hope he and I hope he shoots like three or four from three. Just starts launching like like how Minute Bowl used to. Yeah, dude, I love it. Remember when he was in John Wick? That was funny. <laughs> oh yeah, oh that was funny. Okay, uh, let's get back to talking about this piece of shit. I mean, we call it. Um, 2005, when discussing the Iraq war, protesters during the VFW convention in Salt Lake, where George W. Bush is speaking, uh, Orrin Hatch said, "You're always going to have nutcakes out there, no matter what you do." Which isn't the funny thing. It's when Scott, Salt Lake Mayor Rocky Anderson asked him to apologize. And then Hatch replied, if any apology must be given, it should come from Mayor Anderson to the president and Mrs. Bush. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Rocky Anderson's cool. Like, I, I'm sad because he's like a, like an online lib now. But like, yeah, he was cool. It's re- really funny that he was. Uh, yeah, that he was mayor. And um famously also uh almost got in a fist fight with deloy hansen at one point yes so. i do <laughs> remember such a great that. story it's so cool i love it, it history does nothing but justify all the things rocky anderson has said and done it, yeah he was way ahead of his time and w- when you are that ahead of your time you end up just becoming like uh resistance lib which is it's, it is a little too bad that that's what he really became trump broke him among many others but he again just Two ahead. <laughs> okay, 2006 um, from Robert Gerke and Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Orrin Hatch claims that Saddam Hussein was working with Al Qaeda. This is perfect. You know, cool. Years after it was proved that that was not the case. Yeah, wait, 2006? <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> yes, it did. Cool. Uh, <laughs> here's what he said about that too. 
And more importantly, we've stopped a mass murder in Saddam Hussein. Nobody denies that he was supporting Al-Qaeda, he said, according to the Spectrum newspaper in St. George. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. Nobody with brains. Perfect. Great. Lovely. What a genius. Uh, <laughs> Hatch also was quoting the Tawilla transcript later that year, too, saying, uh, as saying Middle Eastern terrorists are waiting or, quote, waiting for the Democrats here to take control and let things cool off and then strike again. Oh, my God. Why? What exactly is that? That Democrats are like less racist against like Muslims. So like that is is that the argument there? Yeah. Democrats never want to go to war. I mean, yeah. Like, are they are they light on terrorism? Like, do they take do they I guess I I don't understand because I mean, I, I guess we've seen similar things with like Russia and Ukraine, right? Like if Putin's only invading Ukraine because Joe Biden is president or whatever. So I guess it's, I guess it tracks. I mean, it really comes down to what Orrin Hatch was, where if, if a Republican president was in charge, he was the hatchet man. And he was always like the ideological, like guardian for everything that was going on. But if like a Democrats were in charge, who like, that's when he would try and be like the deal maker on certain things. Like that's why he was able to like strike up his like, friendship with like ted kennedy during the can during the clinton years and get like chip passed and all that gotcha but like in the in the bush like global war on terrorism years like orrin hatch is fucking crazy yeah just saying outlandish shit um i'm gonna finish with one last thing this cool. was like a part of like a 60 minutes investigation with the washington <laughs> post where they uh, found the uh uh, 2016 Ensuring Patient Access and Effective Drug Enforcement Act, which uh, stopped the DEA from being able to enforce and stop certain manufacturing and distribution of opioids, which, you know, not a great thing considering <laughs> all the bunch of people like it, like the amount of like pharmaceutical like deregulation that Orrin Hatch did too is insane considering like opioid deaths in utah exploit be like sevenfold between like 1999 and 2016 yeah and when asked about it by 60 minutes like he said like oh no that's totally fine uh regulation there like we don't need more regulation on opioids what are you talking about and then when they also asked him about 177 thousand dollars he'd receive from pharmaceutical companies orrin hatch uh commented um my campaigns are 10 million dollars I don't know where all my money's coming from. (laughs) Sick, dude. Just, just bought wholesale, like from the word go. Orrin Hatch is a terrible person. There's, there's so much more stuff that if I did like everything Orrin Hatch did, like this would be four hours long. Yeah. So do a whole series on how like big of a piece of shit this guy is. Absolutely. Yeah. And one thing that's bugging me, um, I mean, okay, like we see this with every time like a politician, specifically a politician, uh, when someone like him dies, is that there's, you know, uh, uh, people rewriting a certain amount of history to, uh, you know, proclaim that they are so sympathetic or whatever. Um, and they, you know, send prayers to the families and he was such a great guy and he worked with Democrats and whatever. Um, and then there's, of course, like, I think uh, a lot of rational responses talking about all of the harm he did. Um, and in, in response to those, I, I, I've seen uh, there's, of course, people being like, wow, you know, it's so disrespectful to talk about someone, um, you know, after their death in such a negative way. 
the the left does this where they you know um because someone has different politics than them they 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 don't see the humanity or whatever like it it Again, and I, I feel like I, we've talked about we talked about this kind of this theme a lot on this podcast, and you know, in a variety of different uh, contexts. But it's like we're not talking about just like your conservative neighbor or like your conservative father or whatever. We're talking about somebody who held political power and wielded that political power to the detriment of like a ton of people in society. So this isn't just a matter of like, oh, I, I, I didn't like, you know, I'm going to talk shit about this person. And then when they died, cause they were on a different team or they, they, they supported the Lakers and I like the jazz. So they, they deserved whatever. We're talking about somebody who was powerful in this country and caused measurable and immeasurable and measurable harm to, to just so many Americans that like really cannot be calculated when it comes to the, the results of so many of these, uh, these escapades he was on legislatively. So it's like, no, this isn't just a regular person dying who had different politics than you. This is someone who caused a lot of harm. (laughs) So you don't get, you don't get to just, uh, just, you know, pretend like this is just a normal person that's not how this works and there was like just like thinking about it too like there is some solace in the fact that he didn't get to accomplish everything he wanted to accomplish too like he ran for president 2000 completely flamed out because like no one will ever vote for him because outside of utah because he's weird and looks scary and like has absolutely no swag like the yeah, least none, charismatic no. person ever. Well, he wanted to be on the Supreme Court. Like that was his ultimate goal is he wanted to be on the Supreme Court. Like uh, Eric, uh, oh, Eric Loomis in uh, Lawyers, Guns and Money, like talks about how like he was the co-founder of the of the Federalist Society and yeah. also like one of the co-chairs for the almost the entire existence for it. And like if it wasn't for the fact that he was like as objectly corrupt as he was, he probably would have been on the Supreme court. Like he was, he was supposed he was in the running for that Lewis Powell spot that Robert Bork got nominated for. And then like got blown out because Robert Bork was also a psycho. Um, But like, it was funny the fact that he couldn't accomplish what he really wanted to do because of just like, he was too greedy. Yeah. So he had this he had to be stuck with being like the elder statesman for the Republican Party by also like battening his pockets, his partner's pockets and his like children's pockets. And uh, died doing what he loved, I guess. I don't know what he died doing. (laughs) Just being a bad person, probably Uh, making horrible music, probably. I don't know. Have you listened to his music? I I, I saw that one clip. I, the the I Hanukkah can, rap? Man. I saw the Hanukkah rap, unfortunately. Which I think we might do as the outro music. <laughs> nah, self-care is not listening to that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, like Jordan said, sometimes you've got to make something a drop, even though, like, you got to hear something once and then you just never listen to it again. This might be Hanukkah, Hanukkah, those eight days of lights. Like, <laughs> it really is true, though, that like Mormons are just weebos for Jewish people. Dude, they're so funny. I mean, they think. I mean, yeah, the connection between Mormonism or the the espoused connection and the imaginary connection between 
Mormons and Jews is just perfect. I love it. <laughs> that was my favorite part from that Hanukkah song, by the way, too, was there was a scene of that, too, with a video where like Orrin Hatch is showing he's wearing a necklace of what it looks like to be like a Torah scroll. And it was like and it also looks like a consecrated oil like holder that that like, oh, yeah, I'm just like trying to figure like, why would this be acceptable? Like, Orrin, you're not Jewish, like you're not even close. Oh, man. I mean, America's first cosplayer. <laughs> we love him. So all of this to say, uh, he lived a great life, a great life, and we're going to miss him dearly. Rest in power. Uh, rest in power to Oren uh, Darius Hatch. I don't know what his middle name is. What's his middle name? I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, uh, Actually, Steven. let's look it up really quick because I'm honestly, honestly curious. It's probably some hilarious. Wait, did he grow up? Mormon or was he a convert? I don't know. That could really oh, he grew up Mormon. Me. Okay, I wonder what his middle name is. Let's see here. Orin Orin search faster Google. Man. Grant. That he, sucks. Orin Grant. Orin Grant Hatch. There's too many A's going on in there. But Man. anyway, so he's gone. Uh he's been of of course. Did Mitt Romney take a seat? Is that his seat he took? Yeah, Romney yeah. took over for him in twenty eighteen. We love it. Anyway, so I hope uh, I hope people really ponder and remember the life and the, uh, the the tribulations that we all got to experience due to the tour de force that was uh, Orin uh, Gr- Grant Hatch, great man. Um, and I think you know, as we see like the politics of the GOP today, I think those words that he said could really be immortalized. That he would wouldn't want to see homosexuals teaching school anymore than I'd want to see members of the American Nazi Party. I think that's essentially the bio of the libs of TikTok account. So um, I think we <laughs> Just really an come, ideological trendsetter, really. Exactly. Uh, I think we've really we haven't. Uh, it's the exact leader. same politics. Yep. Absolutely right. So. I think that's a good place to end it. Any any parting thoughts, gentlemen? I think uh, I think we pretty much covered we covered it. We covered this existence today. You know, we don't in this state get the leaders we need, but we certainly get the leaders we deserve. That's absolutely true. I, I think it's just uh, really fitting that two Utah institutions and both Orrin Hatch and the Jazz are both being put out of their misery at the same time. They both needed it. That's for damn sure. Yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, we say good night to this. Uh, we into the long good night. This version of the Utah Jazz, <laughs> and to Oren Grant Hatch himself as well. I fucking hope Rudy likes Atlanta or Dallas. Maybe who knows? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore after the way that Luca treated him. Uh, yeah. This game. Might be able to scratch that one off the list. Well, someone's going to get paid for something, but. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, people, friends, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I don't, I don't, I go, go donate to the July 9th protests. Yeah. They're almost at their goal. Uh, and we don't want any of our friends going uh, to jail or prison again. So um, go donate to that. Jordan put it in the bio. 
or the uh, description. That's that's what I'm I'm thinking of. Or just give to the Patreon. It'll go to the same place regardless. Yeah, give to the Patreon yeah. and we'll donate your money there. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. We're a hedge fund for <laughs> for uh, bail funds, I suppose. So love to see it. All right, thanks everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Freedom did more than just survive. They defeated a mighty empire. Free to believe just the way they wanted to. It made history. Just all it is is a hip-hop Hanukkah song written by the senior senator from Utah.